In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade. That's what we were told. Most Americans never believed Lee Oswald was the lone gunman, for excellent reasons. In fact, there were at least six shooters who fired from eight to ten shots or more who are identified here. We have, finally, the solution to the greatest murder mystery in history, laid out for the world to see proof after proof after proof. Photos were faked, the body was changed, x-rays were altered, the home movies were fixed. Fifteen experts contribute to a 529-page book with 1,037 photos and diagrams in black and white and color. Hi, this is Gary King. If you'd like JFK, who, how, and why, and would like to support the new JFK show, then go to PatriotRadioBooks.com. That's PatriotRadioBooks.com. Welcome to the new JFK show number 171. What a week in JFK. It's just been overwhelming the things that have gone on from the conference to the mock trial sham in just every way. So we're going to start off with that subject right now. Dr. Fetzer's worked very hard on this blog and I've read it a couple of times myself and it's just amazing. So let's go, Dr. Fetzer. All right, we can start uh, scrolling down. JFK, Bethesda autopsy photographs, not JFK. Oswald frame, Warren report a sham. Thanks to the brilliant research of Larry Rivera, we now have proof that the JFK autopsy photographs are not of the body of JFK, that Lee Oswald was framed, and that the Warren report, 1964, was a sham. We can now also prove that the backyard photographs were fake, by pasting Lee Oswald's face on someone else, as he claimed, and have identified the body double as Dallas Police Officer Roscoe White. Good. Here you see a couple of the autopsy photographs published by Robert Grodin that we're going to show are not even of JFK. We have demonstrated that JFK autopsy photographs published by Robert Grodin who served as a special consultant to the HSCA during its reinvestigation of the assassination during 1977-78, and who falsely testified that the man in the doorway was not Lee Oswald, but a co-worker, Billy Lovelady, whom we have proven was standing beside Lee, were not of the body of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. We have likewise substantiated that the man in the doorway of the Dexas School Depository whose presence was caught in the famous photograph taken by Associated Press photographer James Ike Alchins, was Oswald. He not only has the same height, weight, build, shirt, and T-shirt as Lee was wearing when arrested, but his facial features are those of Lee Oswald as well. And here's where you can see that doorway area and the figures of interest, in particular the doorman who's extending out in the circle and the man with his hands raised beside him to protect his eyes from the sun. The government maintains that Billy Lovelady was the man in the doorway, even though Billy went to the FBI on 29 February 1964, wearing the shirt that he had worn that day and was photographed by them. 
It was a red and white vertically striped short sleeve shirt, nothing like the long sleeve, richly textured and somewhat worn shirt on Doorman. Lovelady could not have been Doorman. In his book, The Killing of a President, 1994, Robert Grodin published what he has long since claimed to be a definitive photographic record of the Kennedy assassination. On pages 72 and 82, we find two photographs from the autopsy of JFK, for which Grodin takes credit for himself having discovered. But it turns out, when compared with photographs of the president, the body is not even that of JFK. Notice here we have the left profile of the of the body uh, tilted upward and the left pile of J, profile of JFK. We have an approximate right profile at the bottom left and a right profile of JFK, where the photos on the left were both taken from Grodin's book, The Killing of a President. Now proceed to and center. This finding has led credence to the conjecture of Robert Morningstar, the J.D. Tippett, Dallas police officer whom Lee Oswald was accused of having killed, which was impossible since Lee was already at the Texas theater when it was being committed, may have been shot to serve as a body double for JFK. But look here at the superposition, how obvious it is that this man in, in the morgue, who Grodin describes as JFK, is obviously not John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Yeah, I want to comment on that, Jim, uh, before you, uh, you scroll down, Gary. The point of reference here was the ear, okay, and the chin. Uh, you know, as uh, the, uh, you know, the most important uh, thing about these uh, overlays is the perspective. We've talked about that so many th- so many times. Okay, as long as the perspective is the same, the angle of reference, then we're able to do overlays. And this one here was perfect because you know, as as you uh, as you uh, uh, align the ear and the back of the head and the chin and everything, uh, the other features just were completely disjointed, you know, they completely different. And, uh, and, and like, you, like you mentioned about the Robert Morningstar, you know, that, that, theory, that theory came about many, many, many years ago. What? Yeah. Uh, at least 15 years. Jim, am I, am I right yeah. on that? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of people scoffed at that idea, you know. Yeah, we, we had – yeah, we had Warning Star on for an entire show about that, and and we uh, we weren't shy about disagreeing about that part. So yeah, uh, now we, and now we need to reexamine Robert's uh, uh, hypothesis. That's now right. it's the same thing, which which happens with what uh, with what we're going to talk about later about the position of Ike Algins, uh on on Elm Street, which is that's right. uh, that's whole new dimension on on the investigation. Jim. Yeah, which certainly deserved further investigation. Now here's Earl. <laughs> Here is what Morningstar claims to be his masterpiece with an integration of Tippett with JFK. Since Earl Rose, a noted medical examiner, conducted an autopsy of Tippett in Dallas that began at 3.15 p.m. Central Time on 22 November 1963, the use of his body at Bethesda appears to be problematical, where the more likely explanation is that the body of a major, whom Dennis David had been instructed not to log in, in violation of standard procedure at the morgue, was instead used in creating these fake images. Now, here are, here are some photographs that I've extracted from a Robert Morningstar production. Scroll down a little, Gary, and we'll see photographs of Tippett in the morgue. And you'll see already from these photographs of Tippett in the morgue, scroll a little further, Gary, 
that it really doesn't look that much like the man in the photographs that is supposed to be JFK. Go further, and you see from this comparison, yes, stop there, it's pretty obvious that these people are not the same. And if you go just a little bit further, here's a nice image of Tibbet Larry. I want you to comment on what it would take for us to prove. Talk about this one, Larry. Well, again, the base of the forensic overlay studies that we've done before is uh, directly related to the perspective, okay? Once we're able to get perspective and we're able to align certain features, then we can work with these overlays. If we don't have the same perspective, then you have to eyeball it, you know, and I don't think that's... Uh, that's sufficient. Uh, that's yeah. not sufficient. But I'm sure you would agree that just eyeballing it in a preliminary way... Oh, yeah, 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 I agree, I agree, I agree. It's yeah, obvious yeah. this is not the same person. No, no, no by, by far. Yeah. Now, 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 the body double, as you posited before, is something that's very important because if they're going to create x-rays and whatever, you know, of a shot from behind, you know, that's essential. Well, they could use actual JFK x-rays but use a, this other body as the double, and we'll have to explore why that happened. Larry, you were commenting about the importance of this research. Well, well, the, uh, the, loose, uh, the loose Empire publishers of Life magazine reached just about every uh, home in America in those days. Before cable, before uh, news, you know, the way it's, it's propagated today, you know, you had to wait for your weekly copy of Life magazine. And these magazines, especially uh, at the time of the assassination, were gobbled up by everybody. Now, when they put Lee Oswald on the cover of Life magazine and uh, showed this type of uh, concoction, okay, which is, is a composition as far as I'm concerned, and we're going to look at that and how we have proven that, then, uh, you know, the first thing that comes uh, to mind uh, to the American public is that uh, Lee Oswald was, was guilty. So uh, That's right. Of course, that was the whole idea, to combine motive and means where they knew yeah, he had opportunity. In, in a sense, I thought they even, <clears throat> this was overkill because, you know, you got the weapons, you got the, uh, the left-wing uh, magazines, you know. <laughs> How obvious can that be? <laughs> Larry, they're calculating the average intelligence of an American at about that of an eighth grader or less. Maybe oh even an eight Don't insult that eighth graders, Jim. <laughs> Boy, maybe even an eight-year-old. Yeah, talk now, about the good old days when they had it was ABC, CBS, CBS, and NBC, and Life Magazine, and that's all you needed to do to propagandize the entire American public. All Just, controlled by the intelligence agencies. Everyone. That's right. That's right. Now here's a famous photograph of Lee holding the man liquor carcana with which he's alleged to have shot JFK, the revolver with which he's supposed to have shot Dallas police officer J.D. Tippett and holding two communist newspapers, the worker and the militant, which was used to implicate him in the crime by combining motive and means with the already established opportunity to kill JFK by virtue of his employment at the book depository, which, of course, was not in doubt. Jim Mars and I analyze this photograph framing the Patsy, the case of Lee Harvey Oswald. Jim Mars and I analyze this photograph framing the Patsy, the case of Lee Harvey Oswald, 20 October 2015, and concluded that it had been staged as Lee had told Will Fritz. We inferred on the basis of the height, build, and chin, but also an abnormality of his right forearm, that the stand-in had been Roscoe White, a Dallas police officer with ties to the CIA. Larry has now confirmed that finding. Here you'll see Larry's overlays from this wonderful photograph where Roscoe White just happens to be standing in the same stance as in the backyard photographs. Not surprising since he was the person who stood in for Lee Oswald. 
who had explained to Will Fritz that that was someone else's body where his face had been pasted in. Notice in particular the blocked chin is the chin of Roscoe White, not, not the chin of Lee Oswald, who had a more tapered chin with a cleft. There's actually an insert line between the chin and the lower lip. The fingers of the right hand are cut off. We have multiple proofs. But this, by Larry Rivera, cinches the deal by identifying exactly the body double who had stood in to manufacture these phony photographs to implicate Lee Oswald in the mind of the public. Yes, we'll do it one last time. So not only now do we have proof that that uh, Oswald was framed using the backyard photographs, but we have further proof to which we shall now proceed that he was, in fact, in the doorway during the shooting. The Warren Commission went out of its way to obfuscate the fact that Lee Oswald had been captured in a famous photograph by A.P. to photographer James Ike Alchins by manipulating testimony to make the case that the figure extending out from the doorway was instead co-worker Billy Lovelady. The image of that area has become the object of intense study. Uh, the image that has be- of the area that has become the object of intense study was advanced by Robert Grodin, irony of ironies. Mm-hmm. There it is. And notice how, notice the doorman is missing his left shoulder because black time is both in front and behind him at the same time a photographic impossibility if it were real. The man with his arms upraised to shadow his eyes from the sun is wearing a short sleeve shirt, which has been massively obfuscated, where Larry has confirmed that doorman is Lee Oswald. Here is proof that Oswald was doorman. Yes, perfect. Larry, you were just so fortunate to be able to get images that were perfect in perspective to create the the overlays it's all about perspective you know as long, as long as we can obtain the same perspective you know the sky's the limit that's that's all i have to say about that so not only has larry confirmed that the features of doorman not only the height the weight the build the shirt and the t-shirt are those of oswald but that the facial features are the same as those of oswald and that the doorman is not billy lovelady here you see the same superposition with the image of billy lovelady the ears are wrong, the nose is wrong, the jaw is wrong. This leaves no doubt that the man in the doorway. <laughs> it's comical, Jim, because uh, when uh, when they Bob Jackson went to pose him, which is exactly what he did, he obviously told him, purse your lips, I want you to do this, do that. You know? <laughs> and yeah, now, trying to make him look like doorman. I know, and now so many years later, you know, it's just, you know, and if you can backtrack a little bit, because I just want to comment a little bit about that uh, Roscoe wanna, White overlay. You want to go backwards? Yeah, 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 because, you know, if you look at the neck, okay, yeah, you were talking about the chin, okay, that's good, that's fine, that's fine, but if you look at the neck, the, trape- the, the trapezius muscle, the shoulders, you know, how everything tapers off, you know, the, the, uh, the torso uh, under the armpits, Jim, this is exactly in line, perfect. There's just nothing, you know, nothing uh, misaligned here. If, look, look I at know. This. Larry, I know. I was so fortunate you found exactly the right photograph. Right, the perspective that's weird, that we've been talking about. It, and I have another one, uh, which is uh, a close-up of this. I hope we have a chance to see it. No, it's completely sensational. Scroll, scroll back down now, Gary. Right, so we not only established that Doorman was not Billy Lovelady, 
But in the next image, that doorman actually was the man with his hands raised, protecting his eyes, as you will see here. Yeah. Again, brilliant work, Larry. Just brilliant work. I mean, this, of all the, of all the things, this is what nails it for me. Of all the evidence that we have, this is the one yeah. that yeah. does it. Really, really, really. And everyone else, when even people that are really doubting Thomas's, when they see this one, they go, "Okay, that's it." Because that mouth just well, falls right. You can well, see it's, 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 re, it's right redefined. It's redefined, you know, what's going on in the doorway, and it's it's this is a valid scientific approach. Well, of course, uh, yeah, that's I mean, what we do here, Larry. And notice, and notice, Jim, that nobody has refuted this. Well, okay. nobody could refute it. I mean, it's irrefutable. <laughs> and, and say, okay, I've so, done I've done the same procedure that you did, so, and I've go ahead. Results, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're doing great. When identities are corrected and colorized, it would have looked like this. And I love this, Larry, where we see what the doorway would have looked like and how it would have been so conspicuous that Billy was standing there with his red and white vertically striped shirt with his hands up to protect his eyes from the sun, where just as he said, he was surprised they'd be confused because he was two to three inches shorter and 15 to 20 pounds or more heavier. McGrodin has become the champion of Lovelady as doorman, has many ironic aspects. Scroll just a little, Gary. Not the least of which is that before he became a consultant to the HSCA, he himself maintained that Lee was in the doorway at the time of the motorcade, which was a subject of a newspaper article about him. Two conspiracies in JFK death, Sentinel Star, 20 April 1976, before he underwent a conversion. Let me read that. Two conspiracies in JFK's death. This was from the Sentinel Star, Orlando, Florida, 26 April 1970, 20 April 1976. Was Lee Harvey Oswald standing quietly in a doorway of the Texas School Book Depository at the time official records say he was killing President John F. Kennedy with a rifle shot fired from a six-floor window? The answer is yes. According to Robert J. Grodin, the earnest young author with F. Peter Modell of the paperback, JFK, The Case for Conspiracy, I mean, the ironies, Larry, are overwhelming. Well, that's right. You know, 1976 was a very important uh, year for Robert Grodin. And, uh, you know, he ended up uh, working for the HSCA during the summer. He had just finished uh, publishing that book, and apparently things weren't going that well. And uh, he had to, uh, you know, get with the, uh, with the HSCA and then go to Denver, Colorado to see the Billy Lovelady with Kenneth Bruton. And uh, the rest, well, we know uh, we'll be publishing on that. Can I add that? Mr. Grodin was at the 2017 conference pushing Z-Film was authentic and Billy Lovelady is, is doorway man. He's doorman. I know. I know it's outrageous. And, and he was receiving and he was receiving an award, a lifetime achievement award at the same time, Gary. Gary, Gary, don't be a troublemaker. Come on, come on. Don't, don't. <laughs> A mock trial of Lee Harvey Oswald was scheduled to be held on the campus of the University of Houston on 16 to 17 November 2017, during which Larry Rivera would have been the key expert to testify that Lee was in the doorway. He already had his tickets and forwarded his proofs when he was notified that he had been removed from the witness list. Here is our discussion of this absurdity, which we've already presented. So the trial ended 
with a hung jury with a vote of six to five for conviction where one of the prospective jurors skipped the trial. But had Larry been allowed to testify, they would have acquitted him after perhaps five minutes of debate because his research leaves no doubt about it. Instead of a mock trial, they made a mockery of the trial and sabotaged decisive proof that Lee Oswald was an innocent man. Right. And you're not going to show that. Oh, okay. Yeah, what I want to point out is that this video went out the day before the trial, and it's a very much of a unique situation because the evidence had already been presented not only last year in Dallas, but we've presented it many, many times here. And this was – we were calling it a sham before the, um, the trial had begun. And so people that were listening to the trial had already been alerted that this – Evidence here had been taken out of the trial. See, I know, isn't it stunning? So for the first time, everybody knew the evidence before the trial and were upset that they excluded it and they knew what it was. Of course, so this, absolutely. This the biggest blunder in JFK, working the other side of the street, we'll say. But, but I know, I know uh, you guys uh, consider the doorway uh, overlays and that technology and everything that, that was done uh, – that's good, you know, but now with the backyard photos, you know, those those uh, overlays, especially with the Roscoe White, uh, I think opens up a completely new dimension in JFK's study because now when you when you bring Oscar, Roscoe White into the picture the way that we have defined here, and I have a lot of new information. Uh, for example, Roscoe and Tippett were front-door neighbors, okay? They lived on the same street, okay? Roscoe was extremely proficient in photograph alteration, and he used to do, he used to uh, alter just the face of photographs and send those to his family members, and people, and some of his family family members used to receive uh, these photographs, and they wondered where, where he, he uh, received that type of training. So yeah. Roscoe White, and, and if Ricky Don is listening to us, watching this video, uh, Ricky, you were right all along, you were right all along, and we need to reexamine the whole Roscoe White situation yeah. because so expert marksman, expert marksman. It brings, it brings, it, it redefines, like I said, it redefines this entire case, Jim, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Larry, explain what's going on here at the conference. Well, this is uh, Larry Schnapp uh, after his uh, presentation uh, where you obviously, uh, you went up and, and, you were the first uh, person in the uh, question and answer session, and you confronted uh, Mr. Schnapp with uh, the situation that went down in Houston, especially, what? particularly, you know, my exclusion from the trial and yeah. the uh, evidence that I would have brought to the trial. So, That's right. He was, he was claiming he'd heard terrible rumors about you, Larry, terrible rumors. He yeah, never and- specified the nature of those rumors. He just said there were terrible rumors which was a great affront all by itself. And, and, and he added also that since this was a very uh, uh, um, a limited, it was a limited trial, they could not go to redirect, okay? And in redirect, and his, uh, his exact, exact words were that he could not, if there was no redirect, he could not rehabilitate me as a witness, but the, but the criticism would have been pure ad hominem. It would have had nothing to do with the evidence. The jurors would have seen it as such and disregarded it. I mean, it's just insulting that he offered this, Larry, because it was totally irrelevant. Well, any, any competent defense lawyer attorney would have uh, objected right away. 
However, if uh, it, it all depends, you know, and this is what I, w- I was told, you know, it all depended on, depended on the judge. If he, there would have been a 50-50 chance of him allowing it. And if so, then since there, the, with the absence of the redirect uh, um, procedure, then uh, I would have would have been left hanging out and uh, hanging to dry. Well, so. you wouldn't have been hanging anywhere because your evidence was conclusive. This was a sham. Well, well I'm, I'm just I'm just telling you what what I was told. Uh, obviously, these were the excuses and the and the uh, situations that I was presented with. And you know, a lot of people wouldn't buy that, like like you and, and other people at the con- most. Of, I would say everybody at the conference. But uh, that's just uh, you know bringing out what what uh, really happened. All right, but, here's what happened at the conference when I confronted this guy over these stupid claims. As Larry Ramiro would have presented, it would have led to five minutes of deliberation and a conclusive acquittal of Lee Oswald for any involvement in the assassination and showed, in addition, how he had been trained using the backyard photographs. He was excluded on the specious grounds of alleged anti-Semitism for having sat into a new JFK show where Don Fox was presenting evidence of the Mossad's involvement in the assassination of JFK by ownership of the Dow Tax and the uranium mining company from which three shots were fired, the only unsilent shots uh, that were used in Healy Plaza that day. Some of the account you're giving here about the shooting are so absurd that you can't seriously be taking them to heart. But let me add that further confirmation this was a deliberate sabotage of this mock trial, turning it into a mockery, is that we had another candidate who could have testified who hadn't been a part of the new JFK show, where, by the way, criticism of Israel for its involvement in the assassination of JFK or other atrocities such as slaughtering Palestinians is not anti-Semitism, it's standing for truth and justice. Well, uh, the, uh, that was the excuse that they gave uh, for dropping me as a witness uh, that they, 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 I had participated in show, I believe, number 85, which, as you know, was Don Fox's baby. I had nothing to do with that one. I was just an observer, uh, so to speak. <clears throat> and, uh, and, and it was guilt by association, like you were saying. And, and, uh, and I, I, I think the more, the more important uh, aspect of this is uh, that they would go through the trouble of looking at all of our videos, we've got how many videos? 160, 170, you know, and they would go video after video by video to find some, you know, some kind of dirt. To well, Larry, Larry, this leads me to conjecture that Jim Eugenio may have had something to do with this. Remember how Eugenio launched a massive attack on me, which took me seven hours to rebut and demonstrate that he didn't have a single argument against me of any validity. It was embarrassing. I'm telling you, this is a kind of nonsense and rubbish that he might have initiated because notice Larry himself just talked about vicious rumors. It's clear he had never watched the videos himself. He'd never even bothered to confirm these vicious rumors. That sounds to me very much in the style of Jim DiEugenio. Well, I was told that, you know, they they knew and they had seen the videos and they they accepted that I made no disparaging uh, remarks uh, towards Jews, but that since my name was on the video, then, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that was a problem. And, uh, hey, you know, you know something? Uh, these mock trials, as far as I'm concerned, are mockeries of justice. 
I, I've told you that if, if something ever happens where Marina and Rachel and June ever bring, bring a suit against the government uh, to obtain the exoneration of Lee Oswald, then I would be more than happy to, uh, to uh, cooperate and uh, provide, you know, all the technical information and, and overlays and images that, that I have and that I have attained. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not really worried about that at all. Well, you're not worried, but a, a unique opportunity was lost because your yeah. evidence would have settled the matter decisively. And yeah, I said, yeah. It, well, I'm not, yeah, I'm not knocking that at all. Absolutely. You know, I'm the one that, you know, uh, spent all this money, you know, <laughs> to go to Houston. So, you know, that's, it, uh, that just happens. No, no, everyone has seen the evidence. It's, it's all taking care of itself. The Black Op Radio and those people have fallen on their faces. They promoted this mock trial like it was the second coming. And, and I want to say, I want to add that I believe, yes, we had really good stuff because uh, on the uh, man in the doorway. But I think the, the breakthrough, the, the, the breakthrough that we had was the backyard photos. Because not only did we prove that we would have proven that it was Roscoe White, but we would have proven the anomalies when you do the facial overlays, how the right side is completely out of, out of proportion and completely... Uh, 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 extends, you know, from the right side of the, of the head, which is a, an impossibility. When you have your interpupillary distance set and you have your features, your chin and everything, uh, that just doesn't happen in, in this field. So uh, I think that, that and, and I, I believe uh, last week when we presented the, uh, the overlays uh, with the grid and everything and where, where we can actually draw empirical uh, data, and I was counting, uh, for example, the squares, and we won five and a half squares for Lee and six and a half for Backyard Men. So we're talking about more, 15%, maybe even more, of, of difference in size there on the head, which indicates clearly that uh, some kind of mat, mat, some kind of mat insert was was uh, performed there. Now I also wanted to comment on something very important because you know that ghost image, uh, and I've really been pondering that, Jim. Um, if, if you look at Backyard Man, the 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 uh, the body, you know, is is pretty is pretty. Good, you know, you know, in in the sense that in, in the in the photograph, okay, had they inserted that somebody else in there, you would have had to do a lot of retouching, okay, along the the whole body, and we don't see that. It's it's very uniform. Now, where you do notice retouching is in the in the area only in the area of the face, like you were mentioning earlier, and that is that is where we need to focus on. And since Roscoe had the ability to do that, okay, then. Definitely, I would, I would have to put Roscoe, you know, at the top of the list, you know, on who was responsible for, for those, uh, those touch-ups. Because he, he was an expert in the area. That's right. That's right. And, and, and you know, like I said, we're, we're opening a, a, up a whole new can of worms, you know, on Roscoe White, okay, based on this, okay? Because once we can identify Roscoe White as the, as the backyard man, then, you know, this takes on whole, a whole new proportion, Jim. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And I tell you what, his son tried to tell us this a very long time ago. But look, we'll come back and we'll listen to Larry Schnapps's rebuttal as soon as we take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is New JFK Show, number 171. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade. That's what we were told. Most Americans never believed Lee Oswald was the lone gunman for excellent reasons. In fact, there were at least six shooters who fired from eight to ten shots or more who are identified here. 
We have finally the solution to the greatest murder mystery in history, laid out for the world to see proof after proof after proof. Photos were faked, the body was changed, x-rays were altered, the home movies were fixed. Fifteen experts contribute to a 529-page book with 1,037 photos and diagrams in black and white and color. Hi, this is Gary King. If you'd like JFK, who, how, and why, and would like to support the new JFK show, then go to PatriotRadioBooks.com. That's PatriotRadioBooks.com. Welcome back to the JFK show, number 171. As promised, do y'all want to have any comments before we play Larry Schnapps' response? No, you go ahead and play it. I mean, it was pretty feeble, pretty inadequate. You know, anytime you have a witness, you have to have time to prep them and interview them. And we were presented with the witness, first of all, was only available on Thursday, which there was no time, that was Bob Tannenbaum's day. And we had no time to vet this person and talk to him. So, uh, I, I agree with the first half of, of his statement about the the statement of the the, um, the characterization of what was said. Um, and as far as you know, the shots and stuff, you know, we were. Uh, I just told you about John Orsted. Um The first day was about essentially the grass and no, and we were not we were not trying to on the second day to build sense of denial. We were not trying to identify who the other killer was or where the shot came from. We were just trying to show that Lee Oswald was not one or the gunman. And that the evidence that was used to link him to this assassination was planted and was unreliable and other evidence as well. That was the purpose. And we think, you know, we only had half a day, we got five jurors to agree with us. And had we had they had more time, and we had more time, and you think we would have gotten an acquittal. Yeah. You heard that one person clap, and then everyone stopped clapping? <laughs> that yeah. That was you know, pretty embarrassing. All right, Larry, tell us about this. Well, uh, we went down to Dealey Plaza because Jim, uh, Jim and I were uh, doing uh, some work for uh, PBS, you know, some interviews, you know, and, uh, and whatever, and, and uh, I decided – to try to, you know, do as we had uh, talked talked about we before about the position of Ike Alchins. All right, if you look at the Zapruder film, he's always on the uh, he's always on the infield. He's standing out on the grass. All right, now if you go down to Dealey Plaza and do what I did, which uh, the photo at the bottom is taken from the infield. Okay, and if you look closely, you'll see that it's not the right angle. It's not right. It's not the right perspective as the Alchins six photograph. Look at the uh, the tree is way to the left. Okay, it's almost it's almost covering that uh, the left uh, uh, side of the entrance area of the TSBD. Now yeah. the one on the yeah the one at the top, which I took risking my life here because those people come down pretty fast there on Elm Street. It's a as you know, it's a downslope. Um, I stood there in the middle of the left lane of Elm Street, and I I took this photograph. And lo and behold, everything is perfect and in, in perfect alignment with the Alton 6 photograph. Now, what does that mean, Jim? It means that a lot of hypotheses here are being confirmed. Number one, the Robert Cutler would put Alton's on the, on the street, uh, uh, albeit not on, in the middle of, of uh, the left lane of Elm Street. He put them you know, a little bit more to the right. 
you know, in the uh, in that uh, map that where he's got all the uh, photographers. And now we have a confirmation of the Nukem tapes, okay? Because uh, if Altus was there in the in the middle of the left lane of Elm Street, and he's got these motorcycles bearing down on him, okay? He knew that he was comfortable enough to stand there and not and know, know that he wasn't going to get run, run over. Another thing, don't forget that he was at the corner of Maine and Houston, and he had enough time to walk all across the infield where he snaps. Uh, first, he's at Maine and Houston. He snaps, snaps four and five, and then he runs all the – I don't think he even had the run. Went all the way across uh, the infield and ends up in this position, which means that, that – that uh, motorcade was going so slow, and if you if you analyze even more, confirms the extensive uh, uh, alteration of the Zapruder film because the, the, in the Zapruder film, the, the motor the motorcade the limo is going is coming down what 11, 12 miles an hour, which is not what this other evidence brings about, Jim. No, I think you're absolutely right, Larry. Absolutely right. It's fascinating. You're doing such brilliant work with Blender. Your overlays, all of this is sensational. And, of course, during the conference, your own talk, which preceded Larry Stopped, was about the use of Blender to model yeah. Dealey Plaza. And That's I think right. the audience was blown away, Larry, just to see the sophistication of your approach. And, and, and now that you mentioned that, the reason I went uh, and, and stood here and took this photograph is because in Blender, as uh, we were able to position Ike Algins, you know, we put them right there. That was the only the only angle that would give us, you know, the uh, tree to the right of the entrance. You know, right? Larry, and that type of and that type of angle. Well, you know, I had to go and test it, and it's we're testing one hypothesis versus another, and everything seems to be falling right into place. Yeah, absolutely sensational, Gary. Did you want to add a comment? Uh, it, it just. Why wouldn't he be standing in the in the street? There's it's a three lane highway, and especially this picture to top. Of course, you're going to be in the highway if you're a, a photographer like. That. No, the point is that if the vehicles had been moving at the speed they ought to have been moving, then he would have been at risk of being hit yeah. by a motorcycle. That's the, right. The point is it demonstrates that the motorcade was going so slowly. In fact, Hargus even said he had to put his boots on the ground to keep his motorcycle right. from tipping over. That's right. That Alchance was, uh, you know, encouraged to step into the street with no fear or risk that he might be hit because the motorcade was proceeding at such a minute speed. Now, and let's let's develop that a little further, Jim. Don't forget that James Shaney said that Bobby Hodges ran in between the two limos on his way to where? To the grassy knoll. But, Larry, that's after the limo had been brought to a halt. This hasn't happened yet. The I know, The limo I know. is brought way down here that's before right. it's brought to a halt, and then Hargus runs between them. So that's, that's right. correct, but the location is not where the no, no, was. No, I know, I know. I realize that. I realize that 100%. But what, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is that if this whole package here, this whole motorcade, the limos and everything, you know, were coming down at him so slow – you know, that, that he would stop completely, as we know he did now, is, is a given. Because, you know, if the motorcade is going, you know, that slow, then, you know, what else, what else is there to, to analyze? Right. As as no, absolutely sensational. Gary, anything more you want to add? No, it's just fantastic work is all I can say. Gary, Larry, I suggested that Jim DiEugino may have been behind this. 
I believe he's been following our work very carefully, but he's very careless and irresponsible in how he attacks it. For example, he published a two-parter on me and Sitka entitled The Decline and Fall of Jim Fetzer, Part 1, and you can scroll, Gary, and then The Decline and Fall of Jim Fetzer, Part 2, and the words T-H-E have slipped over. And it, it took me seven hours, it took me seven hours to go through D. Eugenio's attacks and to demonstrate that there was no substance to it whatsoever. And scroll down, Gary, where you see the issues I was dealing with here. How many shots, how many hits, a Secret Service set up JFK, identifying the three tramps, pivotal role of Lyndon Johnson, murder in Dealey Plaza, misspelled, the gross medical anomalies, the use of the term transferring. I mean, it was a really shabby performance of Eugenio. Then in the next episode, go ahead and keep scrolling down to the contents, right? The alter, the alteration of the Zapruder film, Grodin's autopsy photographs, the bullet hole in the windshield, Judith Baker's authenticity, the man in the doorway. He was attacking me on all of these issues, and there was no substance, no basis, no justification, no rationale. Then he attacked me more on the man in the doorway and on Peter Jennings' Mary's Mosaic. Continue, Gary. You're doing great. Yes. Then we had a, we're, we're talking about Thompson, Grodin, Eugenio on Phil Nelson, LBJ ducking down on Max Fingerprints, on Gregory Douglas, on George H.W. Bush, on nanothermite in relation to 9-11. I mean, this was embarrassing. This is a subject where D, Jim Eugenio doesn't know anything at all. He's a complete incompetent. Schol- he was attacking me related to Scholars for 9-11 Truth, my two appearances on Hannity and Cole, my first book on 9-11, the 9-11 Conspiracy, my lectures and conferences, the faking of Flight 175. I mean, this is a guy who is completely unqualified to attack me on these subjects, and there he was. So you continue, and we find even more subjects. It was, to me, massively embarrassing, but Eugenio appears to have no shame. He even attacked me further about 9-11, creating the cutouts on the tower facades, how we know that nobody died at Sandy Hook. And more, Gary including the Boston bombing charade, the death and replacement of Paul McCartney, the official narrative of the Holocaust. My research has been collaborative. Six JFK shooters identified my books and shows. Gary, I just want the public to know that I have thoroughly dismantled the criticism that Eugenio directed, and it seems to me very much in accordance with his character and style that he should have attempted to sabotage Larry's appearance before before the the mock trial. That seems to me to be perfectly consistent with what we know about Jim D. Eugenio. Well, somebody put those people up to uh, to uh, episode 84, 85, uh, Jim. You know, I don't know who, but and I'm not going to speculate, but uh, somebody did, and uh, you know. Well, I can promise you one thing: there's a lot of angry people that that happened. See, you have to think about it. The people at, that go to these conferences were there last year. And so you, you showed this evidence to them last year, so they already knew what it was. And then when this was excluded, it really showed their cards. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't the Lancer Conference basically fold up tent and move on? Yes, yes, yes. There were a tiny number of people there, I think maybe 60, and they decided to fold early. I predict there will not be another Lancer Conference. 
They're just tired of this lightweight stuff. And here's Larry being excluded. After they see, here's the main thing. I have some screen shares here. Where I think I, I I need to comment on that. I just think that Judy's conference, you know, at this point in time, is uh, is we'll get it later. Acting, you know, the best speakers and Judith is is go to go to full screen with us. Stop the screen share. Yeah, I just, I just want to say that Judith uh, works. You know, she puts the conference on. You know, for that weekend, but you you know, you have to understand that she works year round. On this, you know, it's not just the three days of the conference, okay? And uh, people need to realize that, you know, and she needs to be applauded for that because um, she is attracting her conference is attracting the very best, the very very best researchers. And I'm not I'm not talking about you know myself. I'm talking about people like Ed Ed, Ed Tatro. Uh, you know, she had Jim Mars until obviously uh, Jim Mars passed away in in August, okay? And and so many so many different. Uh, people they want to uh, attend her conference yeah. and you see russ baker's just not enough you see when you have a guy that opens his conference speech or talk with the with the statement that i'm really not you know as deep into jfk as you know, probably you know, happened here yeah you know this year we had dick russell you know again you know phil nelson uh uh we had the, the guy that does the uh, rambler what's his name now oh, i forget the uh, you know, I mean, just on and on and on. It's like a who's who of of, uh, and, of authors and researchers that have been doing this for a long time. So I, th- I think uh, that is something to build on. And uh, and obviously, uh, you know, Judith has, uh, you know, is right now at the top, you know, as far as the Con- JFK conference is, uh, is concerned. Yeah. I'm well, sure a lot of people. I'm sorry. I'm sure well, a lot of people. Go ahead, Gary. I'm sure that a lot of people went up to Snops and let him know just how they felt. Because if I'm not mistaken, he wasn't at the banquet that night. That's right. There was an empty chair with his name on it. <laughs> so I decided not to attend wait, the wait, speaker's wait. banquet. Here, here, here. I, I've got – let me just read here uh, some yeah, of this. Yeah, the program, yeah. Yeah, 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 right. Phil Singer, Marianne Moore, Mormon, uh, Paul Kunstler. That's Edward Mary Mormon, just in case anyone has any doubt. That's Mary Mormon. Uh, yeah, yeah. David Denton uh, – I mean, David is – oh, man, he's – uh, he's a professor. He's been doing this for a long time, and uh, we sat with him that morning, and we had breakfast. And he's an incredible, incredible person here. Zach uh, Shelton, Ed Tatro, Phil Nelson, uh, John Wells. You know, as a as an MC, you know, I mean, you can't ask for more. You know, uh, um, Don uh, Andrew Craig. You know, the attorney for Kappa. Uh, Larry Schnapp, uh, Brandon Benson, uh, Dr. Fetzer, Gordon Ferry. Uh, Judy Baker, Dick Russell. I mean, this. I mean, Robert Tannenbaum never goes to, to conferences. You know, he's been semi-retired. You know, uh, Cyril Wecht, Robert Groden. Uh, <laughs> you want me to continue? And so, you know, uh, well, I, I think Andy we get Willis, I, Grover Proctor. I was talking about Grover Proctor. He's the guy that uh, did all the uh, the Rambler stuff. Yeah. The uh, yeah, yeah. Richard Sharnin, which Jim brought him on. You know that he uh, that was I think I think a fantastic interview and and show. Uh, that uh, that uh, Richard Sharnin, you know, yeah, that, that was going to go up as a video real soon. We, we yeah, I, I, you know, Jeffrey Holmes, Victoria Haas, uh, Ed Haslam over the uh, Skype, uh, St. John Hunt. I mean, St. John always yeah. Beverly, Beverly Oliver. Yeah, Beverly was there. You know, so so you know, this is like uh, you know, okay. really really good. Here's here's the program. Okay. Hey, is and, it okay uh, to take a peek at the other conference real quick? Sure. <laughs> All right. Now do it. 
right. We've got. Oh, you're going to compare? You're going to. Oh, come on. Be nice. Come on. Be nice. I, should we be nice? All right. So, see, these people, th this is the reason why you have to go home early. You've got to do better than this. You know, I'm not saying all these people aren't, uh, but it's just some. Um, oh, Andrew, hey, Andrew was at the, over there also. Oh, he didn't say anything. <laughs> I'm not saying all. I mean, she had to be the highlight Jeff for both. Marley. Yeah, Bill, hey Jeff Marley, there's your there's your buddy there, Doctor Fetzer. I'm going to reserve comment on these people. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's just take a look, and it's no, it's not Bill Newman. John Newman. Yeah. Of course, Oswald in the CIA, which uh, he's done. Uh, well, you know, he's ex CIA. So. Gary Shaw, I, I respect yeah. him. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Bill Simplitz, who by the way had a role here, no doubt in taking Larry yeah, out. I don't think I don't I don't think he attended that uh, that conference. I don't think so. Maybe, but I don't know. Says he's going to comment on the mock trial in Houston. Mm -hmm. So there you go. I would have to say not quite the roster. My only critique, Larry, since you were on the program would be that you have one-hour slots. There were too many sessions that didn't allow one hour where there was time for questions. So I think in the future you have to be more traditional in blocking out the time slots and, you know, that there were too many speakers for the amount of time available. It's Well, it happened last year and it happened against uh, this year. Uh, what can you say? Yeah, I know. I know the the, uh, the time allocated never never is enough, especially for certain speakers. You know, and uh, you know we just have to uh, work on that. Okay, Gary, yeah, you want to take it. us out, my friend? Yeah, uh, like I said, what a week in JFK. So we're gonna go ahead and close the book on this one. This is New JFK Show number one seventy one. Appreciate you, Larry, Jim. We'll see you next week. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were fired at President Kennedy's motorcade. That's what we were told. Most Americans never believed Lee Oswald was the lone gunman for excellent reasons. In fact, there were at least six shooters who fired from eight to ten shots or more who are identified here. We have, finally, the solution to the greatest murder mystery in history, laid out for the world to see proof after proof after proof. Photos were faked, the body was changed, x-rays were altered, the home movies were fixed. Fifteen experts contribute to a 529-page book with 1,037 photos and diagrams in black and white and color. Hi, this is Gary King. If you'd like JFK, who, how, and why, and would like to support the new JFK show, then go to PatriotRadioBooks.com. That's PatriotRadioBooks.com.